0: I would say, yeah, I mean, like if you're if you're looking at real estate right now, like grocery store anchored shopping centers is probably like one of the safest places you can park your money.
1: Happy Monday and welcome to Deconstruct. I'm Isabella Farr, and I'm hoping that everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday weekend. I'm Susanna Cavanaugh, and same here.
2: So today is Cyber Monday for all those who celebrate. And to commemorate the start of the holiday shopping season, we are doing a retail wellness check. We are looking at one of the sector darlings this year. That's the grocery store anchor. And whether the frenzy to buy shopping centers attached to supermarkets still has legs as rates keep rising.
1: And it just so happens that's a great segue into one of our top stories last week. The lead by one of our reporters, Orion Jones, really says it all. Major real estate lending and Manhattan has literally been decimated in the past year. So in October, the top 10 loans totaled $279 million. And while that sounds like a big number, it's one tenth of the $2.1 billion that borrowers took out the same month last year. So a huge drop off. Definitely. Those loans
2: were split between hotel projects, condos, and rentals, but across the board, we've really seen deals drop off as rates have spiked. Borrowing has become too expensive, as we've discussed, and many sellers aren't quite willing to capitulate on pricing yet. So activity in a number of sectors, office especially, has just kind of frozen over. Yeah.
1: And at the same time, office leasings suffered a pretty big blow last week. KKR backpedaled plans to rent. 300,000 square feet of office space in West Chelsea. Business Insider had that scoop. And the space the firm was looking at was inside Tishman Spires 341 Ninth Avenue. Currently, KKR's office footprint is spread across a few city buildings. So this space would have really been a consolidation, but, you know, not anymore.
2: KKR's decision to renege also points to a bigger trend within the office sector. Landlords and employers were really
1: banking on folks coming back post Labor Day. Yeah, and that really didn't happen. We've seen occupancy rates basically hold steady at around 47 percent since then. And, you know, at this point, some companies are beginning to accept that that's the best that they're going to get. Yeah. So I really like this quote from Heinz's Dusty Harris in our Office
2: to Resi episode. He said, office landlords, and I think this extends to employers, too, but they're experiencing various stages of grief. It really does look like some are still in denial. You know, they're hoping that people are going to come back and others are sort of moving toward acceptance. And it looks like KKR is falling into that latter
1: category. Yeah, that's such a great way to explain, you know, how people are feeling about the office market right now. Obviously, commercial real estate is going through it. But switching over to the residential side, homebuyers are actually seeing a little relief. Last week marked the second week in a row that mortgage rates actually fell. That's right. They fell. They're under 7 percent now and loan volume and refinancings increased slightly in the same period with some homebuyers, you know, rushing to say, oh, let's snag that slightly lower mortgage rate. But it is still early to tell whether that'll be a lasting trend.
2: Right. I feel like when we cover these movements, it's exciting because they've been heading in one direction for so long, but they were at 7.13%. Now I think they're at like 67 So it's a minor fall. And another caveat is that we have seen delinquency rates rise in recent months, which points to more distress among homeowners. Florida actually saw the biggest jump, which was likely attributable to Hurricane Ian in September.
1: And jumping back up the coast, it looks like New York has another casino prospect in the works.
2: Yeah, that's right. So Thor Equities, which is most active in the retail space, they're looking to build a $3 billion casino on their home turf. The developer is based in Brooklyn, and its proposed casino would rise on Coney Island. Joseph Sitt, that's the firm's founder, he's billing Thor as an underdog in the race to nab one of these three casino operating licenses that are available in the city.
1: And the competition for these projects is getting pretty stiff, right? I saw on Twitter, someone had kind of talked about how every, all these developers are kind of snagging different areas of New York to put their projects. I know that there are two projects called Racinos, so combined racetrack casinos. One is by Genting and the other is by MGM. They're both seen as favorites, yeah? Yeah,
2: that's right. But we also have these giant developers, which I think is why Thor is calling itself an underdog. So related companies, SL Green, Vernado, they've offloaded proposals to develop casinos in manhattan and salaviv group got in on the action this week too
1: and, you know, we mentioned this last week, but to lead us into today's chat, I wanted to bring up a statistic that we had referenced. A report from CBRE had found that retail availability dropped to 5% in the third quarter. And that's the lowest level since the firm started tracking the metric 17 years ago. And obviously, it's Cyber Monday today, and we're still yet to kind of see the full results of sales. But retailers were expected to offer pretty heavy discounts to lure in shoppers. The sector has done particularly well, but with rising inflation, I think retailers are trying to figure out whether people are still willing to spend money. And as our South Florida reporter, Francisco
2: Alvarado, detailed in this month's bag story, grocery stores are partially to thank for all of that demand that retail has seen over the past year. This podcast is
0: sponsored by Dotted, the all-in-one asset optimization platform that's empowered companies like Dogwood to grow their portfolio by 2.5x in just 18 months. See how Dotted can align your team and accelerate data-driven portfolio growth in leasing and beyond by going to dotted.com, D-O-T-T-I-D.com.
2: To start broadly, we've really seen retail do a 180 through the pandemic, right? So lockdowns were rough, but once they were lifted, in-store shopping took on this novelty that drove, you know, a resurgence of demand for brick and mortar, and now we're seeing rising interest rates, slow construction, which has driven retail availability to a 17-year low I just saw. So, within that sort of comeback story, how has the performance of grocery-centered retail stood out?
0: Grocery store anchored retail has stood out because it's been pretty stable during the pandemic and since the pandemic, even with online ordering and Instacart, grocers are really outperforming other parts of the retail sector.
2: Even at the beginning of the pandemic, when people were using like HelloFresh or Fresh Direct or whatever, more often because they were afraid to go outside or go shopping, grocery stores didn't see that reflected in their numbers. They were still doing just as well as they had been before.
0: Yeah. And surprisingly, their revenues have been growing. Both in 2020 and 2021. Last year, they made $803 billion in revenue, which represented a 13% increase pre-pandemic levels, according to JLL.
2: So just doing great. You talked about... Grocery stores just being a stable asset in general. I'm imagining, you know, that's because people have to eat. Restaurants will sometimes see a downtick depending on like how tight wallets are, but grocery stores not so much. Is that the main reason why they're so stable?
0: Absolutely. Every week you have to go to the grocery store for something, even more so in times of inflation because they're going to end up not dining out as much. They end up spending more at the grocery store. And then what you have is you have this halo effect at these shopping centers. That also benefits the smaller tenants, which are usually service retail, barbershops, salons, laundromats, dry cleaning services. All these are retailers that benefit from people going to the grocery store because they'll probably end up trying to do as many errands as possible in one spot.
2: So from an investment perspective, what is alluring to prospective buyers about grocery anchored tenants now that we are seeing interest rates still rise and recession fears seem to be growing
0: really it's the stability of knowing that people are still going to go to the grocery store and then again this whole halo effect theory and overall the cap rates are also still very favorable to investors even in this climate of rising inflation and rising interest rates
2: did the centers always have such low vacancies or was that the halo effect, I guess, as grocery stores were doing so well, they were able to fill up the stores around there? Just anecdotally, driving around the suburbs, it seems like you will see some burned out stores in a grocery shopping center, but maybe that was a few years ago.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there was definitely, I think, you know, emerging during mm-hmm. the pandemic of the surrounding retailers in, in these type of properties. But from what I gathered, at least most of these um, landlords have been able to fill up spaces and backfill spaces. I interviewed one landlord who she lost to Michaels after getting Aldi. And then it took her about a year and a half to find a new tenant and it's a salon services company in a gym. Those obviously, you know, are the retailers that uh, will provide some stability in terms of people actually, you know, going there.
2: How strong has demand been for these centers? So like how many bidders will we see on one center and how might that compare to demand for a typical retail space that's not attached to a grocery store?
0: Landlords and the brokers that I interviewed, they said from fall of last year through the end of spring, they were getting over a dozen bidders offers on average. But since then, obviously, the market has changed and interest rates is playing a factor in terms of the number of people that are coming to the table with offers. The average now is around half a dozen or less.
2: Okay, so it's been cut in half. That's pretty significant. So going back to the folks who were interested when that sector of the market was really booming, who were those investors who were trying to get in?
0: here in south florida it's been mostly family offices private investors one of the interesting deals is one of the landlords that sold was barry sternlick from starwood capital sold a shopping center in west lake to this one person investor i think it's people that are like hedging their bets as far as the stock market goes and they're looking for some sort of commercial real estate asset that is not crazy like multifamily, where it's like really big ticket prices and also they can't get into industrial because it's definitely a low inventory on industrial So then, you know, they start looking at retail, and what's the safest bet in retail is these grocery store anchored shopping centers.
2: Right. Okay. And is there any fear among the landlords you talk to? I know they don't usually like to talk about negative, but are they worried at all that these online companies or apps that have cropped up could sort of overshadow the market for grocery stores?
0: These are just apps that provide the delivery services. They're not really providing the product. JLL 2022 grocery report shows that grocers, they took whatever capital gains they made from revenue. They're reinvesting it not only in store innovations and buying you know, and opening new stores, but also in warehouses that can be used as fulfillment centers for delivery services.
2: That's a good point because so I was looking at a few of them and it seems like it might be Fresh Direct or something like they have their own sort of warehouse situation where they don't need to contract with grocery stores. But yeah, if the actual groceries are expanding their capabilities, that points to upward mobility for sure. For
0: example, Kroger. like Kroger's not even here in South Florida, but uh-huh. they have fulfillment centers and they're doing delivery, even though they have no brick and mortar stores down here.
2: So from a pricing standpoint, I think you write in your story that pricing almost doubled per square foot in the past year is that right
0: during the first half of 2021 it was they're paying between 100 to 150 dollars a square foot since then it's gone up to 200 dollars a square foot and it's still staying in that range even though there's less bidders than there were maybe six or seven months ago but that's because there's also less properties available for sale it also depends on which grocer is anchoring the shopping center and the location of the shopping center and down here in Florida. If it's a Publix anchored shopping center, that's going to demand a, a higher price per, per square foot, just because Publix is the main top grocer in our state. And then it goes from there. Whole Foods, Fresh Market are obviously going to you know, demand a higher price per square foot because those are are you know a higher level of grocery store, and they're also usually in more affluent neighborhoods.
2: Got it. Okay. Have any markets become oversaturated in South Florida? I was reading something from Market Watch, I think it was last year, where they were saying, you know, there was such a rush to fill a lot of the big box stores that emptied out with grocery stores. So I'm wondering if we're maybe seeing like too many in a neighborhood.
0: I don't think we've seen an oversaturation of grocery stores. If anything, we're getting new to market companies like Sprouts just came into South Florida within the last year and a half, I think. They announced leases about a year and a half ago and now the stores are opening. I'll just give you from my perspective. Nowadays, you don't just go to one grocery store. I'm at Aldi, I'm at Whole Foods, and I'm at Publix just because there's, one, different deals at each place. And two, there's just certain things that you can get at some of these grocers that are not available at other grocers. I mean,
2: -hmm. So given the situation we're in where you're seeing fewer bidders on shopping centers with a grocery-anchored tenant, but there's also less availability. So where are people in the industry expecting prices to go for the center. They expect
0: them to just hold steady at this point. And obviously, if everything's supply and demand. If there's going to be less properties available, then the prices will go up naturally. But it's really hard to say because there were so many that trade, at least here in South Florida, there were so many good ones that traded between, I would say, November of last year through early September. That's more the reason why I'm seeing less of these deals now in the last couple of months. All the good ones have been taken.
2: And I know you touched on interest rates in your story too. So as those continue to rise, does it seem like that will bear down on investment and we'll see fewer deals going forward because financing is just more expensive and people might not want to take on a loan with a certain interest rate
0: yeah definitely one of the landlords i interviewed she was looking to buy a property in cincinnati and she said when she started the deal it made sense the longer it took to get the financing and the rates went up it stopped making sense so she couldn't pull the trigger on it so i think we're going to be definitely be seeing that
2: Are you still seeing this as a fairly safe asset class? It seems like every sector I look at, it's like deals are slowing down because financing is more expensive and we don't know what's going to happen. But would you say this seems like one of the best to get in on?
0: I would say, yeah. If you're looking at real estate right now, like grocery store anchored shopping centers is probably like one of the safest places you can park your money and have it be worth a worthwhile investment. That's one of those long-term investments, I think. If you're going to buy a shopping center, you're looking to hold it for at least a decade.
1: Deconstruct airs every Monday wherever you get your podcasts, so subscribe now. Next week, we're talking about how commercial brokerages are faring with rising interest rates. Tune in then.